Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Morning, church. Morning. I'm grateful to be here and uh, love any opportunity I have to see everybody. And uh, how you doing? And to uh, be able to encourage you in your faith. So it is hard to get out of this place without talking to every single person. So tough. I want to say I, I love you, and even if I don't know you, and there are several families I don't really know all that well, I appreciate your faith above all things. And I wish we had more opportunities to talk and get to know each other. But I want to encourage you today, based upon what was just read, preparing your minds, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And I've got a phrase that eventually we're going to get to today that I think is pretty good. And at the very least, it's semi-memorable. And that's half the battle, isn't it? Just remembering things that God has put before us and placed in our lives. And so here's the phrase. You may like it, you may not. Regardless, you're going to hear it for a little bit. How to be led, how to be fed. So when I die, I don't become spiritually dead. How to be led, how to be fed. So when I die, I don't become spiritually dead. Now, you know the family I grew up in, and so we know how to eat. When it comes to how to be fed, you sit down at the table and you, you take it in. Um, when I passed the fourth meat and the seventh side item, I thought, this might be a bit too much. But the 19 desserts, no, that took the cake. How to be led, how to be fed. You know, we just sat around tables, and we gorged. And in our Americanized way of celebrating what we call freedom, we fill and overfill ourselves physically to a point where I have to lay on the couch and go to sleep. And we look forward to it. We celebrate in that physical pain. But you crave it, too. There's something about that smell. You know, smells do a lot. I walked into my grandparents' house across the street on DD Drive, and I said, Grandpa, Grandma, congratulations. You have successfully recreated the smell of Des Moines, Iowa, in your house in Richmond, Kentucky. I look forward to that. You look forward to that meal. I hope you look forward to consuming the Word of God, even if it is just for a few minutes today. I do. And I hope you have your Bible open, 1 Peter. So we're going to start as we try and figure out how to be led, that first question. The first one is in 1 Peter chapter 5. And eventually we're going to get there into verse 2. But to set the background of 1 Peter, something you may not be aware of, something you may be aware of, is this. The apostle who wrote in writing this, this biblical writer knew that men and women here were submerged, one writer said, submerged in a sea of wickedness. And being submerged in the sea of wickedness, their only hope was the persevering grace of their Lord and our Lord, Jesus the Christ. Which meant that reality is, the only thing that would save them is true devotion to that Lord, their God. And the only thing that would save them from not just eternal punishment, but from the temporal suffering of living life 
in a scattered about way under Roman rule was this. Faith in Jesus Christ. And that's it. Some of them even may have been imprisoned for their faith at some point or another. You see, they lived in a time when being a Christian actually cost something in the temporal and also the eternal. And it was a cost that some people even paid with their lives. And so when they received this letter, they received it with urgency. And so when words were like, prepare your minds for action, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy, it meant that God didn't always intend that we would be happy, but he forever meant that he's working to make us holy. And sometimes in life, church, don't you know it's the case that I may not be happy, but I can know for sure that God's working to make me holy. And praise God for that, that he has a purpose and a plan in any and everything, good, bad, or indifferent. And so we come to the question, how to be led, when we figure it out, We're going to learn how to be fed, all for the purpose of not becoming spiritually dead. So church, how are we to be led as people? 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 1 and 2. See what it has to say. Peter said, so I exhort the elders among you. He said, even as a fellow elder, and even as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, he said, verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, here we are, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Notice that when he said that word, so church, how are we to be led? Two words, humble submission. I got it for you. The answer's up on the screen. But what is humble submission? I think it's interesting that in the text of scripture, the biblical writer inspired by the spirit said this. Clothe yourselves in humility. It wasn't just be humble, but Peter actually gives us a picture. He said, put on the shirt. Put on the shirt so people will see who you are and whose you are. It should be evident. It should be obvious. It should be clear to all people that our uniform as a Christian is humility. It's the picture that we see on Jesus in John chapter 13 when he washed the disciples' feet. He Not only did he literally clothe himself in a, an attire that would lend itself to cleaning, but he put himself at the feet of the apostles. Why? Because Jesus said, I come not to serve, not to be served rather, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many when we wear the clothing of humility. People will see. They will see that we're not making much of ourselves or trying even to get attention all to ourselves, but they will see God. One mark of humility is this. You know, you know somebody who's humble. If you're, if you're humble, raise your hand. Nobody raise your hand. You can't if you're humble. You know, that's how those things go. One of the mark of humility, marks of humility is this. When you walk away from that person, you'll say this probably. Wow, they were really interested in me. They wanted to know a lot about me. They didn't really talk about themselves. Humble submission. 
Now, submission is a catch word sometimes. It might even be a four-letter word in society. But the reality is ever since in the garden, when mankind subjected ourselves and, and in the garden, she and he subjected themselves to sin, one writer said this, they choose their own way and they will not submit their wills to the Father. I love this quote. They think their own thoughts and will not submit their understanding to him. They love earthly things and will not submit their affections. Man, you see, wants to be his own law and his own master. Our Lord even said in Psalm 81, verse 11 and 12, he said, My people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit herself to me. And so I gave them over, watch this, to their stubborn hearts and even to their own counsel. Humble submission. I put myself at the feet of my Lord, and I willingly submit myself to him to go where he says go, to be who he says to be, and to live how he says to live. Isaiah 66, verse 2 said, But this is the one on whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit. That is the one. If you want, if you want to know how to be led with the shepherds here at the Richmond Church of Christ, you humbly submit yourself to the Lord your God. You humbly submit yourself to the shepherding of the shepherds here at the Richmond Church of Christ, that their vision becomes your vision. Their work becomes your work. You willingly, gladly submit yourself to it and take part in it. And I often say this back home at Florence Boulevard. You, you don't hurt the shepherds. You help the shepherds. You don't hurt the work. You help the work. You help the work by the way you talk about the work. You help the shepherds by the way you talk about the shepherds. You help the Lord your God by the way you talk about the Lord your God. That's why the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, let them do this with joy because that you, are, you are joyfully talking about taking part in the work. You're not a problem finder, you're a solution giver. I often say, if you're going to point out problems, you don't have a right to talk about it until you're willing to help out with making solutions. That's a good rule for how to be led in the Lord's church. You're not just pointing out problems, but you're at the same time helping to find solutions. And you're not just giving solutions, you are becoming a solution. You see, we don't need problem finders in the Lord's church. Those people don't know how to be led. We need helpers, solution givers, and those who take part. One of the marks of a child of God is involved and invested. When you humbly submit yourself, you humbly submit to be involved and invested. We're going to talk about that later in the application point. How to be led, how to be fed. Let's move on. How to be led, how to be fed. 1 Peter chapter 2 is the text I want you to look at. There at the beginning, how to be led, how to be fed. The P Peter says this, so put away all malice. Let me stop. What time do we normally end worship here? 15? Okay. Um, you know, I get in the flow of things at Florence Boulevard, and I kind of look at the clock, and I know kind of where I need to be and what I need to do. But here it's new and it's different, so I don't know exactly what to say or how long to go. Because church, boy, I got a lot, a lot of things to say. But I also have three real good reasons. Child one, two, and three are not feeling good. we got to get on the road. i got to be mindful of that. But the reality is, um, 
I want this to be something from the Lord you remember. How to be led, humble submission. Do you do it or not? How to be fed. Now, this is the craving part. The craving is in 1 Peter chapter 2. So put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. See, when you willingly submit yourself in humility, all those things go away. And like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, what causes you to grow? The pure spiritual milk. That by it, you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is Good. How are we to be fed? We willingly receive the word of God, but not just willingly. We longingly receive the word of God. You have been around babies. Um, You know what it's like. I have children that are very passionate. I like to say passionate because that sounds like it's almost a good thing. I have passionate children. The youngest might have the most passion of all of us. So she's very passionate. And it is so funny, if you were to be a stranger in my home, you would hear a lot of screaming, ah, 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 and it all goes away. Why does it go away? Because that milk gets put right there. She is screaming. You, you walk her through the living room and she sees that bottle. You, you take her through the kitchen and she catches eyes on that bottle. She loses it until it's hers. There's a craving there. Why? Because of what it can do. Because of how it fills. Because of how it sustains. She sees life is in that milk. And if I don't have it, I'm as good as dead. Crave that pure spiritual milk. Here's what Jesus said in John 8, 31. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciple. Notice the word if. He said again in James 1 verse, excuse me, John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's an if statement. James said later in James 1 verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness or remains of wickedness and in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. It is an if statement. It's not a guarantee that any child of God will humbly submit, but also receive the word of God. And if you don't become spiritually dead, Jesus said, abide in my word, then you'll be a disciple. If my word abides in you, then you're truly one of mine. It's an if statement, church, do you? You know, we couldn't wait to sit around the table to eat the meal. Is this your only force-fed meal of the spirit of God in your life? And I say force-fed because you know you got to come to church. One of the marks and signs of a child of the fathers is involved and invested. I've often found it very strange that Bible class attendance isn't the same as worship attendance. That's been very strange to me. And I know there are reasons and, and moments where it can't happen, 
But if it can happen and it doesn't happen, here's what I see as an observer. Are we going to Bible class? Don't care. I don't care about the Word of God. I don't care about the opportunities that the shepherds have provided for me to grow spiritually. I don't care. Do you have to have 100% attendance? No. But why wouldn't you want to be at every opportunity to feast with God's people in faith, fellowship, and study? Could it be you don't care? It's always been one of the strangest things of me uh, that I observe in the Lord's church. Some people just don't care. I don't know how you can call yourself a child of God and not care. So here we are. How to be led. How to be fed. Receiving the word. Humbly submitting to whatever God has called you to do and to be. So that Psalm 119.11 can be your testimony. That I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that is your individual choice. Now if I learn how to be led and fed, I believe the result is that I will not become spiritually dead. And we're working backwards from 1 Peter 5.2, 2, 1 to 3. Now we're going back into chapter 1. So skip on back there. 1 Peter chapter 1, which was read already in verses 13 to 16, so I won't repeat it. So starting in verse 17, and if, there it is again, and if you call on him as father, and this is who the father is. Would you look at the text with me? Don't take my word for it, but look at the Lord's word. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, here's what you do then. Conduct yourselves and if you do this, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Not fears that I'm afraid of God, but fears in reverence and awe of that God. Fear throughout the entire time of your exile, knowing that you were what? Ransomed from futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Therefore, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, Verse 23, and since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. There it is again, how the word saves your soul. This word, he said in verse 25, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. So receive it. Humbly submit yourselves to it. And if I learn how to be led, learn how to be fed, I won't become spiritually dead. Now here's the signs of somebody who's alive. Randomly, I had a pumpkin vine growing in my backyard this year. And you know, if you know me at all, the only thing that I can grow is children. And I, sometimes I question my ability to do that. Anything I put in the ground dies. My uncle gave us some mint and even some uh, chocolate mint leaves. He said, man, you can't kill it. I said, well, you're about to find out. Well, sure enough, two weeks later, it's dead. Then all of a sudden, we had 
a, a pumpkin vine growing in our backyard. And I thought that was really cool. I thought it was squash. Uh, then I thought, well, maybe it's cantaloupe. Nope, then these little orange things started popping. It's pumpkin. I'm stoked about it. I saved some of the pumpkin seeds. I, I dried them out. I'm going to plant them next year, and hopefully, if it, if it grew without me, maybe I won't do it. I cannot kill it next year. What's the sign of life? Because when it was popping to life, there were buds everywhere. And buds had leaves. And those buds eventually grew into pumpkins. And those pumpkins eventually became ripe and fell off the vine. And we picked them, we put them in our yard. Well, then all of a sudden the seasons changed and the, and the weather got bad. And then what happened? We saw signs of death. What were bright, beautiful leaves all of a sudden start to wither and fade. Spiritually speaking, some people come today before the Lord God. And your faith might be withering and fading. And you need life injected into your mind and into your heart. How can we inject life? I've said it once, twice. Here's a third time. Involvement and investment. Buy in to the bigger picture that is beyond my perspective or beyond my life. Buy in financially. I believe the Lord's church needs to be filled not just with cheerful givers, but with sacrificial givers. And sometimes the giving is all on the older folks. I'm just going to put it out there. Sometimes younger folks don't give. I'm not talking about kids. I'm talking about young adults. Because we've got financial dreams. We've got financial plans. And we've got stuff we want to do in this life and on this earth. And I've got to get there. You better be giving. And you better buy in. But older folks... Maybe you're bought in financially, but you're not bought in in involvement. Do you know that you never retire from working in the Lord's kingdom? There's no retirement age. I've heard this, sadly enough, in the Lord's church. When we're trying to get Bible class teachers at different places, I've heard this. I've done my time. That is a sad statement to speak and to hear. Be involved and invested. And isn't it the case that wherever we are invested financially, we're going to be involved physically? That ought to be the case in the Richmond Church of Christ. Humbly submitting to the Father, willingly receiving the word, their vision of shepherds become my vision as sheep, and we take part and we move in working for the Lord's kingdom. And so we are invested, we are involved, energized, energetic, and intergenerational. What is beautiful about the Lord's church is it's not this group, that group, and the other group, all separated and divided. But it is we as a people of all ages, of all backgrounds, of all socioeconomic standings, of everything. You have a part, you have a place, and you have a purpose here in working for the Lord's kingdom. And you better be involved and you better be invested. I think it is so silly that we create church in 2022 America that it's almost like in the new NIL college football thing. I was talking to a, well, this is crazy, but I was standing on the field yesterday before the UK football game. And I was talking to one of the coaches and he said, you know, I've got to, re- I've got to recruit my own players now. Why is it that sometimes we as Christians have to recruit our own people Isn't a sign and a mark of the Lord's people is that you don't have to be recruited once you're on board because you're out recruiting others 
disciples making disciples. It's a sad day if, if we have to recruit our own people. But if you're involved and invested, you have life that is infused into your faith and to your activity within the Lord's kingdom. And so you don't have to be recruited because you're out recruiting other people. And it's beautiful because you're not a problem finder. You're a solution giver. And listen, sometimes in church, it doesn't mean I'm going to be happy, but in all things, I can become holy. Why? For the Lord my God is holy. And this is what's beautiful about holiness. And I need to say this as a side note. I may not always be happy, but in the pursuit of holiness, I will inevitably, inevitably become the most happy. That's because my eyes are not on the temporal, but they're set on the eternal. That's why Paul said in the Colossian letter, Seek the things that are above. One translation says, set the eyes of your mind on things that are eternal. When eternity becomes my joy, holiness becomes my life. Involved and invested becomes who I am in the Lord's church. That's how you're led. That's how you're fed. And you won't become spiritually dead. You'll become alive with a life that you've never had before. United together in the bond of spiritual peace with God's people. Unity. One of the marks of God's people is that we are united together as one. And the shepherds here desire unity. And the chief shepherd and overseer of our souls desires that with humble hearts, craving the word of God, hyper-involved in the effort of the local body of Christ, that we never lack in financial power, in personal power, that we never lack in the sacrifice of our lives or the united push of God's people for the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ because we are involved, invested, humbly submitting, willing receiving the work of the Lord in this place. And church, don't you know that it honors God when he sees that in you. And so I want to close by saying this. If you want life, spiritual life and vitality that is visible, is obvious, it's evident, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It also shocks me and I know, John, you said that some people can't get to the emotional place of the Lord's Supper. But it should never be the case that in the worship to the Lord our God, that we can sit dulled and numbed, unmoved and unemotional. But that every single week in the expression of praise to the Lord our God, we say in exclamation, as Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the Lord our God. Amen? Yeah. Why? Because he, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. If your faith is withering and fading, don't you know you can be made alive again today? And if your faith is absent, not there, but some way you're here today or even watching online, don't you know and maybe you don't know that God can cause you to be born again today? To rise, to walk in newness of life. With the eyes of faith set on eternity, knowing God is working to transform me into his holiness.
to an, to an inheritance that is imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't know where your faith is today, but in some way, if you need life, let the Lord provide it for you. Whether it means coming and humbly submitting yourselves in obedience which is being buried in the blood of Jesus so you can rise to walk in newness of life and have life. Or maybe it's in your suffering. You feel like you're starting to weather, wither and fade and you need, you need a punch of life and a punch of energy. Confess. Talk. Just say, I'm struggling. Let your church family pray for you today. Whatever the case may be, you cannot sit here and be unmoved by the message of the salvation of the Lord, our God. So if you're moved to come forward, convicted by the Spirit, the elders here, the shepherds here will receive you. We'll help you. We'll pray for you. God is ready to work. He's ready to work in your life today. Are you? Let's stand up and let's sing praise. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.